step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Fanalyst Podcast, presented by Fantasy Data. Here's your hosts, Billy Muzio and Bradley Stalder. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Fantasy Football Fanalyst as usual, Billy here with Bradley, and tonight we are joined by special guest Nelson Tusa of FTN. Nelson has over $1 million in career earnings in fantasy football. 2009, he finished second overall in the WCOFF tournament, Wyckoff tournament, $60,000 winnings. 2011, NFC co-champion of the Diamond League with 60000 winnings. 2013, NFFC co-champion the Ultimate League with 30000 winnings. 2014 and 2017, NFFC co-champion of the Platinum League, $260,000 in winnings. 2016 FFPC co-champion of the main event. Was that with Hubbard? That was with Dave. Yep. Dave, $250,000 in winnings and too many other league winnings to count. Nelson, it's an honor and a privilege to have you on, my friend. I enjoy doing our, our draft this offseason that we did with Dave. Uh, I cannot wait to get this show kicked off. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well. Very good. So, I know we talked about it off air, but I know you're probably as relieved as I am. Waivers are finally over for our our high-stakes leagues, but why don't you tell the listeners how many leagues you're in and what that process entails for you? Yeah, so this year um, I'm in about 150 leagues, and my process I was just talking about it was um, I I have to start uh, FAB and going through and putting my bid groups together and analyzing each league and each team by one o'clock on Tuesday um, in order for me to finish in time before the 10 o'clock deadline on Wednesday night. Um, so it's, it's a full-time job. And uh, I am relieved that it is over and done with, but I have a little bit of anxiety right now with all these COVID cases and all these injuries and I can't touch my teams. Yeah. I remember we were debating in cause NFFC and W uh, FFWC, you have team kicker, which is, you know, beautiful, but in FFPC we have individual kickers. And I, I remember uh, us bouncing the idea off each other. Should we just risk it and go into the shootouts with one kicker? Or do we, you know, clog up another spot on our bench and take, uh, and take another kicker here with us through the final rounds. And ultimately we decided to gamble. Um, but I'm a little nervous right now after seeing what is it? 72 cases in the last 48 hours of COVID luckily yeah. knock on wood, not our kicker. Right. And so we'll, we'll see how it breaks down, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. I'm nervous. Yeah, for sure. Well, Bradley, uh, good news for Bradley tonight as well. Before we kick the pod off, I want to get him a little shout out. Bradley, do your, do your little dance here. Bradley finished second in the Fantasy Pros Expert Ranking Contest this week. Number two overall. So congrats. Hats off to Bradley. Yeah, number one in quarterbacks, number three in tight ends that anchored it. And 
didn't completely tank wide receivers or running back. So <laughs> that's that's kind of been the, the, the formula for success, right? If you're number one in in one category, top ten another, you're usually in the top ten overall. Wide receiver, running back, of course, are weighted heavier because you're ranking fifty running backs, or or fifty wide receivers, forty running backs, and then the other two, you know, have just been kind of a hodgepodge of randomness throughout the season. It's kind of hard to been hammering down even the smaller ranking systems with the tight ends and the quarterbacks just because it's been all over the place. But um, hats off to you. Number two finishes is, is outstanding. Well, we had a few questions. Want to hop in here? Um, we have waivers over for FFPC and for high stakes. So questions here, burning questions for week 15. Um, James Connor appeared to be injured on the last second to last play of the game. Uh, they said he's going to be undergoing an MRI here today, tomorrow. Um, if James Conner is out, Nelson, do the Cardinals go back to Edmonds? Is Edmonds healthy enough? If not, who do you think we see more of, James Ward or Eno Benjamin? I, I think Ed, uh, Conner looked like he was more banged up than actually injured. So yeah. I, I I think he'll he'll be okay. Um, but if if something happened and he was it you know happened to miss a game, I'd probably say that Eno, Eno Benjamin would be the guy that they would uh, gravitate to. And then Edmonds seemed like he's pretty close to coming back. Um, they didn't activate him before the Monday night game last night, but I, I would think that uh, he should be good to go this week. Yeah, I'd probably roll with Eno as well. Uh, you mentioned Edmonds was close. He was one of the players I was, uh, I had heard was going to play and then heard later, well, wasn't. So, Hopefully, you know, they'll get him back. He's just another weapon for Cardinals team that has really like struggled at home, but has struggled as of late. So hopefully they can get him back and get on the right track until they face, of course, my Packers and then they can they can lose then. But (laughs) (laughs) so I always like to take a look at kind of best and worst case scenario anytime we have uh, an MRI involved with a player. And we're hoping best case scenario, James Conner is fine. Maybe he's just hurt and and he's not, like you said, injured. He's back out there Sunday, but worst case scenario, if he does miss time, let's just say, you know, worst case scenario, he heads the IR. Do you think the Cardinals would be in contention to try to sign a running back as they go into playoffs? I, I don't think so. I, I, I think they're probably pretty content with uh, the guys that they have there. Yeah. I, I mean, who, Ed, who you Edmonds coming back, I guess. Yeah. You're yeah. Probably, with Edmonds coming back. I mean, who are you bringing in that is really, you know, is going to, learn the offense and is, you know, better than Eno Benjamin or, or Ward. They, you know, it Frank Gore, <laughs> Frank Gore, you know, we might as well just pass AP around. He's already, been I was going to say once the Seahawks release AP, might as well bring Peterson in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, but, speaking um, of the Seahawks, yeah. Rashad Penny finally had Ooh. the Rashad Penny game. I thought was going to happen when he was drafted in as a rookie. He, he looks to be healthy. It appears that Pete Carroll is committing. That was my only concern was, is Pete Carroll actually going to be smart enough to commit to him this game? And it looks like they did. So is it Rashad Penny time moving forward? I, I think so, because this is a lost season for the Seahawks. I think they need to see what they have in Penny, whether they want to bring him back. Or are they going to go ahead and, and bring in um, maybe a, you know, just start fresh at running back because Carson seems like, you know, he's productive when he's when he's available. But that's the problem here in the NFL is when when you have players that are not available, uh, coaches tend to sour on them uh, pretty quickly. So why not, you know, end of the to end the season, figure out what you got in Penny. Well, you know, Alex Collins is who he is. Peterson, like, what, what are you doing with these guys? You know, you might as well just run Penny out there. Yeah, he he played really well. This was the breakout game Billy had been waiting for. Everyone had been waiting for a first former first round pick. Uh, had been struggling with injuries, but it. I mean, anyone can play well against Houston. So, will he be given the rock? You know, moving forward, I think double digit carries still. But it's the Rams and the Bears who played really well against the run over the last uh, little bit, and. Uh, so I think tempering expectations, you can't expect, you know, top 10 performance from Rashad Penny, even if he's given the majority of the workload. I think, you know, just 
not buying into the touchdowns, but looking forward and seeing that he might be a running back too on volume. But if you were able to pick him up before waivers, I think that was a good, good pickup. I'm so salty about it. Like Dave and I owned him probably on like 90% of the leagues everywhere. And it just Pete Carroll never played him. And then next thing you know, I just this hodgepodge of running backs and Collins and then Homer's being played. So we, of course, you know, add him to the drop list. And then lo and behold, here we are. Teams are locked. Can't re-add him in most of them. We still have him. I'm sure you're in that same boat. You probably dropped him a dozen times or more. Um, but that's the frustrating part with Pete Carroll. It just seems like he's always like a few weeks late to the party. And then, and then here we are. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking now, Bradley, you, you talked about, you know, he's got the Rams. I mean, James Conner just gashed the Rams though. I mean, you are looking at that team and I, I feel like they're not the same team as they were in the beginning of the season. I think this last week against the Cardinals, they've played better, but up until this last week, they've been very vulnerable and not just on the ground, but through the air. And, and they haven't been, um, you know, as as stat of a defense as as we had seen early in the season. So I do think they are um, they can be attacked on the ground still. We just saw, you know, Connor did most of his damage through the air. But I do yeah. think that I, I, I do think that Penny could still put up some good numbers against them if they continue to commit to him. Well, yeah, he'll be like the goal line back, I think, and given majority of shares. So there's touchdown upside. But, you know, as you mentioned, James Connor gotten. <laughs> But all nine of his targets against the Rams, that was going to be, you know, he was a big part of the game plan, 94 receiving yards, but only 31 rushing yards on the ground on 13 carries. So if you're banking, if you're not going to use Rashad Penny, you know, with PPR upside, you know, in your mind, that's not his style of play this year. Speaking PPR upside, KJ Osborne was finally unleashed here with uh, <laughs> Thielen being sidelined. What do you think, Nelson? KJ Osborne, a top 25 wide receiver moving forward with Elon shelf. Yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned it in the discord chat at a uh, FTN. Um, and I, and I said that Osborne is that guy that what my, uh, my fab article that I, I do every week, I mentioned that, you know, Osborne was that guy that, you know, he's not playable and you have him on your bench, but like, you're like, okay, he's kind of a handcuff. If Jefferson or Thielen goes down, Boom. He he boom, he becomes a superstar, but otherwise he's just kind of useless on your bench. So it becomes the question, do you just hold him and and wait and see if there's an injury? Or do you drop him and look to pick up another guy with bye weeks and everything? You need a guy to actually plug in in your starting lineup. So Thielen injury happened. It looks like it's gonna be, you know, a few weeks before we get Thielen back. So I think Osborne now, you know, he just he's a plug and play guy. I I, I really do think that he's going to be solid. Moving yeah, we forward. look we look at yeah. There are several teams that we had this offseason that we had done that with held him right, and and it's it really is like one of those rare scenarios where you handcuff a wide receiver just because the upside is so significant. There's not many teams out there that can produce two top 15 wide receivers or top 20 wide receivers on a week-to-week basis, Vikings being one of them, especially with their defense underperforming most of the season, they're having to throw the ball more as well. So for those who held on to KG Osborne moving forward, I think, I, I mean, I, I think he's going to be a top 25 play the rest, the rest of the playoff season. Well, shout out to Vikings beat reporter, Will Raggett in the off season. He came on this podcast and I asked him, who's the wide receiver three behind Jefferson and Thielen and he said oh it's KJ Osborne and Osborne had been you know he had separated himself from the pack of you know D.D. Westbrook and Amir Smith-Barset and the the other ancillary pieces behind B.C. Johnson and he's had a couple you know blow-up games before but now with this full-time role like as we mentioned the the Vikings are a lot more pass heavy I think than we anticipated and you mentioned the defense underperforming this leads to a lot more game scripts where they're going to be passing and, and Osborne is going to be highlighted more. So I agree. He's a plug and play flex consideration. Odell Beckham Jr. Tested positive today for COVID Van Jefferson has already been playing lights out. Is Van Jefferson a top 15 play moving forward? Nelson. I, I think we got to wait till like Friday or Saturday to find out if Beckham's going to be able to test negative and, and be cleared or not. So um, 
If, I mean, if you're asking today, if Beckham is out, yeah, I mean, you got to play Van Jefferson at, at that point. Did you say he's a top 15 wide receiver? Top 15? I can, hmm. I mean, that's pretty aggressive. I can probably think of 15 wide receivers that I would play over him. Um, so I, I think that's a little bit aggressive, but I, I'd probably say like top 25. Bradley? I think that's the right range that you're looking for. I, Van Jefferson seems to be what the Rams hoped you know, Deshaun Jackson could have brought and a little, little more consistency in the deep ball. That seems to be his routes. Like he's getting free down the field. He's getting separation. And Matthew Stafford seems to be hitting him, whereas Cooper Cup seems to be a lot more closer to the line of scrimmage. And to be consistently at that top 15, you know, he has that ceiling for top 15, I think for sure. But I don't think you can, you know, can peg him as like a median play of wide receiver 15. I agree. I'd take, uh, yeah, 15, 20 more wide receivers over him in a median play. But if you're playing for upside, if you are way outgunned or outnumbered, like Van Jefferson, I think is more of an upside play than, uh, than maybe your, your safer, I don't know. I don't know what's a safe wide receiver. I don't know why I thought of Tyler Lockett. He's like the most unsafe player. <laughs> but, uh, a, a safe wide receiver, I would probably say is like Jalen Waddle. Yeah, I would. I would probably, his, his body of work, like he he's he's consistently getting, you know, eight to ten targets a game. You know, it even though like it's close to the line of scrimmage, like he he's like got a safe floor. Or like Hunter Renfro, I think that I would rather have, if I was completely like, if I was going to be outscored by, let's say, 40, and I needed a big bomb play, probably Van Jefferson over Hunter Renfro. But in most cases, I'd take Renfro. So Van Jefferson, do you want any guesses on what he is in wide receiver rankings from weeks 12, 13, and 14 combined? Uh, Billy's going to come up with like, Four, wide receiver 14 or something like that. It's even better. 12. <laughs> 11. Yep. So, I mean, he has been a top 15 re- wide receiver for the last three weeks. He seems to be, and that's since the, the Bob Woods injury, right? And it seems to be the a, a trusted target here for Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford's a gunslinger. He likes to throw the ball deep. Van Jefferson has been, you know, shown capable of the deep ball. Um, I, I mean, I understand. I, I, I love the I love the waddle idea because the safe floor. But we're looking at this uh, on the upside here, and I think Waddle's downfall is touchdowns, where Van Jefferson has been finding a knack for the end zone, where we're seeing him in the end zone now. What is that? Three straight weeks. Yeah, three straight weeks, six on the year. Uh, but he only caught two passes against Arizona for fifty-eight yards. So I think that's the that's the concern is that he has. I think it's under a 50% catch rate, but um, uh, doesn't no, matter when they're all over. for six, Bradley. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Fair <laughs> enough. But he is getting the pass volume. So you, you can't ignore the targets. Uh, you can't ignore the touchdowns and his downfield, his downfield threat with a, a yards per reception of uh, almost 17. So there you go. So Denver had two top 10 running backs this weekend. Yes, it was Detroit. But will it be the same old, same old, or do these recent performances give us more confidence to higher ceilings for both Gordon and Williams, Nelson? I, I think that's been the case all year long, is if the matchup is right, those, those guys are capable. They've been efficient with the touches that they're getting in a split committee. And I know a lot of people want that Javante Williams, you know, uh, full bell cow workload, you know, get rid of Melvin Gordon. But the fact of the matter is like Gordon looks good. Like Gordon is performing. It this is not a situation where it's like we're we're sitting here and asking ourselves like why is Pete Carroll running Adrian Peterson out there and Alex Collins? Like Gordon's performing. He's doing well. So it's hard to Really, you know, how do you bench the guy and just say, I'm we're going with the rookie? Yeah, Melvin Gordon running back 17 on the year right now in PPR leagues. Javante Williams running back 15 on the year in PPR leagues. So the Broncos have been uh, 
you know, putting out top 17, two top 17 performances, you know, all year with these running backs. I agree. They, they both have been very productive. Um, in the high society too, Dave and I own both of these guys and we were picking and choosing one every single week. And it just happened to be always the wrong one every single Mm -hmm. given week. Luckily, luckily we locked in the buy regardless, but I mean, those are the type of headaches that fantasy managers have, especially when you have both of them on your roster. I think it's the point now where you might just play both of them and see what happens on a week to week basis. And you may be playing them over other wide receiver names that, that, you know, maybe you like more than, you know, the name Melvin Gordon at this stage in his career, but with how efficient they both have been and not knowing what the roles are going to be. I mean, they both seeing red zone touches. They're both seeing passing work. They're both seeing short yardage work. We just don't know what they're going to do with these two backs at any given time. And both of them are, are good to score at any, at any given game at any given time. So as frustrating as it's been, they both have been very efficient and, and very fantasy productive. And as a dynasty player, like I anticipate whatever happens with Melvin Gordon next year, he's going to be undervalued because either he stays in Denver and he keeps a similar role. And you don't imagine that the coaching staff, unless they change coaches are going to change what they want to do with Javante Williams, and Melvin Gordon, uh, at least in a significant shift. But if he leaves, you know, he probably isn't going to be a bell cow elsewhere. So he probably is going to be devalued, you know, and, so I, I think he's very much been under the radar of uh, a, a running back that I wouldn't say league winner, but very much a value this year. Tight end position. Brevin, Brevin Jordan finally was a thing this week. Bradley was a week, a week late on the call. Where do you rank Brevin Jordan in your tight end rankings moving forward, Nelson? I, I like the kid. I, I think he's got potential. The, and he's playing a little bit more recently, but it's still the Texans. Uh, it's a terrible offense. They rotate all those tight ends. You know, uh, who is it? Uh, Pharaoh Brown or whatever his name is. And and they've got, I know Akins has been inactive, but they, they just, they have this like big rotation of, of all these guys. So I just don't, I don't know. Brevin Jordan's still not a, is not a name that I'm ready to like put in my starting lineup at this point, even though tight end's been kind of ass this year. He's had three top 12 performances since being active in week eight. So three of his, three of his six weeks, he's been, you know, a, a streamable tight end. And I know those are touchdown dependent, but he got seven targets against Seattle. Um, and you mentioned that Jordan Aikens has been inactive, but he was comped as a better Jordan Aikens coming out of the draft, playing the same type of role, a pass catcher, not really. That's a positive thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jordan Aikens was viewed as like an older pass catching capable tight end. And um, look, as bad as the tight end position is, Brevin Jordan has actually put up some, some interesting numbers. Uh, So Bradley's beaten the table the last few weeks on Brevin Jordan. And I'm over here thinking, (laughs) Bradley's going a little crazy. I don't know what his love is with Brevin Jordan over here. I mean, I, the number three ranked tight end ranker from week 14. What, do you, what am I going to Yeah. What am I going to do? I can't argue with it. I can't argue. I was definitely not top three. That's for sure. My <laughs> tight end rankings were... Nelson says the tight end position has been ass. My tight end <laughs> rankings were ass. I was like, I was like 149th in tight end rankings. I'm so mad because I had Kittle at one and then Debo was active and I moved him down. And then, boom. Well, if there's any reason to start Brevin Jordan, he gets Jacksonville next week. So, (laughs) all right, maybe you might be on to something. Yeah, I think think he's on those those magic mushrooms or something. I don't know. But we have uh, okay. (laughs) Hunter Renfro's been a top twelve wide receiver this season. Any reason that you think this changes, Nelson? I I think he just fits the offense. He's a good route runner. Um, that's kind of Carr's mo. Um, Waller's been hurt, so Renfro's kind of been the go-to guy. So I I don't own I don't have any Renfro, so it, it's hard for me to really be excited about the guy. But the, you know, there's no denying that you know he's been performing at this point. So 
were you, you like a, me and grabbing Brian Edwards late in drafts, hoping it was Brian? Yeah, Edwards? yeah, yeah. I, I was into Edwards and thought that finally this would be his breakout year, and it, it's just not going to happen. Oh, it was Hunter Renfro, correct answer. Yeah. Um, Emmanuel Sanders probably out. How high does my boy Gabe Davis rise for the week? Yeah, I mean he's probably he's probably a. Uh, a little bit higher than where you would rank Sanders last week, for example, the, the last couple of weeks. Because I, I do think he's got more upside than Sanders, has more juice, um, good ag- around the red zone area for touchdowns. So that, that's probably where I would put him. <laughs> I'm so excited. That was my breakout candidate of the year. I had so much of them, and then Emmanuel Sanders was the thing, and I just got so disappointed. And sad. I like it took like Dave wanted to cut him like week two, week one, and I'm like, no, we can't cut. We cannot cut Gabe Davis. Like I can't do it. Billy went like, to the mat. <laughs> like I just I, I can't I can't cut Gabe Davis. And then it's like week four, Dave's looking at me like we got to cut Gabe Davis, and I'm like, uh, okay, we got to cut Gabe Davis. And then now here we are for all my best ball teams that are still in it that have Gabe Davis. I'm I'm excited, but probably most of them that have them didn't make it because it never became a thing. But sure. here we are. Top three had, pickups this week. Oh, sorry, Bradley, go ahead. Yeah, he had a season high eight targets, and I know it was against Tampa Bay, and it was a completely pass centric offense. Like the Bills ran, didn't give a single rush to a running back in the first half. Uh, I, they're they're facing Carolina this week, and Carolina is also a tough defense. But um, you know, you you probably see a pass centric offense as well, and and Gabe Davis probably floating around a twenty percent target share. And with touchdown upside, he's a big-bodied receiver, so. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Bills have a running back? I mean, if you want to call Matt Breida running back. He should be the running back. Again, they won't commit. Um, all right, Nelson, I know you said you're done with Fab, but for all of our Dynasty listeners out there who are are now just starting playoffs. Give me three pickups of the week. If you're a dynasty player or you're just looking for a deep stash, someone that could be a difference maker down the stretch for playoffs, non-high stakes. Oh, man. I was trying to check out of worrying about <laughs> fab and pickups. Um, I don't know. The, the couple of guys that come to mind uh, right now would be like Justin Jackson. Uh, because of Eckler's injury. I know the coach said that uh, he's fine, but he didn't look fine to me. Um, I mean, they were, they were taping up his ankle and uh, he looked kind of like a mummy. Um, it, it was a lot of tape on that ankle. I don't know if you guys uh, saw the video of it, but I was watching the game as, as they were doing it. And I'm and like, I thought she was going to, the trainer was going to stop and she just kept taping it and taping it. Um, but he never came back in the game. Um, so he, Jackson would be one. Uh, he's looked good to me. And then the other guy would be like Dearness Johnson, you know, uh, take three now, I, I want to say, on the season. You, we had to take one. We had to take two big game. And I, and now Hunt looks like he's going to be out maybe uh, one to two weeks. And you've got all these COVID cases going on. And you've got a couple of offensive players for the Browns. So he would be a kind of like a sneaky guy just to add and and see how the week progresses there. Love it. Bradley, how about you? Well, got to shout out um, deep cut Craig Reynolds for the week. If Jamal Williams doesn't get activated off the COVID list and and DeAndre Swift is shut down for the rest of the year, even though they won't say it, uh, Craig Reynolds seemed pretty capable running for I think it was like 86 yards. And what the um, fuck was that? I had an Igwebuki and Jefferson everywhere and they want to freaking roll out Craig Reynolds. Like, yeah. I was so, so tilted. 
He was yeah. a preseason <laughs> darling and was running ahead of Iguabuke uh, in the preseason, getting a lot of love, just stashed on the practice squad, stayed with them and uh, got his opportunity and, and, you know, ripped off a few good runs. So he's a possibility. It depends on how deep you're looking. In some leagues, the likes of Alan Lazard are still available. Um, the the likes of, um, I mean, in my home league, Devontae Parker is still on waivers. So if, if like, and Parker's so undervalued this year, he's had seven targets or more in all but one game, and that was the game he just came back from, um, from his injury. So if you've got players like that who have been injured and, and out, but have had like large target shares, Sterling Shepard, for instance, gets Dallas and you know that the New York Giants are going to play them tough, always interdivisional game. And Shepard usually commands the most targets and could Darius Tony's on the COVID list and dealing with an injury himself. So if players like the, that, that are flying under the radar, are still under your waivers, smash that. Nelson thought he was done with waivers. And then, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> <laughs> we pull him back into the waiver talk. All right, All right so, Billy, how about you? How about some deep cuts? Oh, man. I haven't even, honestly, I haven't given this. I was asking the question. I didn't even give this much thought here. Um, loaded question. Loaded question. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to um, Jamison Crowder, uh, probably, probably available in a lot of leagues. He might have been picked up last week with the news of Corey Davis. Um, but I'm also, you know, and that's, I mean, that's another question. Who is the And Jets? then disappointing. Yeah, and disappointing. Who's the Jets wide receiver to own moving forward? Anybody? Or is it just a no? Nelson's it, like, no. It was Elijah yeah. Moore until he went on the injured reserve. He he was the guy, no, no doubt about it. He he was the playmaker. And, I mean, you guys, you know, you guys know the stats uh, with doing your rankings and everything, but I want to say, like, the, the last five weeks or six weeks, wasn't he, like, a top 15 wide receiver? I'm pulling it up right now. I don't have it uh, readily available. Wide receiver 14 gonna... from weeks 11 through 14. Yes. Yeah, because I, I mean, rank in there. Yeah, yeah. He 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 was on a lot of my teams, and and he was really helping me to you know make a playoff push. Yeah, I initially had in the beginning of the year, I had a rookie of the year bet on him. It was like a fifty dollar bet. I forget the payout was, but. I got to like week five and I, and I was still allowed to bet, bet it back. And I was only like, only going to lose like 10 bucks. And I'm like, I'm betting this back. Right. And I, but so took the $10 loss, got my 40 bucks back. And then boom, the bye week hits week six. He gets back and puts up 10 PPR points, 13 PPR points, 27 PPR points, 13 PPR points, 29.6 PPR points, 9.3 PPR points, 20.6 PPR points. And of course, what's the first thing I do is son of a bitch. Why'd I bet that back? But then, <laughs> So then I start looking at and like Mac Jones is playing lights out and there's just no way that he's I mean, going to win. Is Mac Jones, Jones is even play it? Did he even play in the last game against it, Buffalo? Yeah. I mean, he played three. three he handed three. the ball off, right? I mean, if yeah, you count yeah. that, <laughs> but you look at, okay, real talk though. Quarterbacks traditionally win rookie of the year, right? Yeah. If they do and, well, if, and I mean, if their team is doing if, well, even if they're mediocre, but if, if, if he makes playoffs, I guarantee He's rookie of the year. All right. What's now, more likely Belichick winning coach of the year or Mac Jones winning rookie of the year? I think, I think uh, Mac Jones. Yeah, I, I don't, uh, you know, I, I don't think Goodell is really, uh, you know, the NFL in general is a fan of, of Belichick. They don't want to give him any more awards, <laughs> but I, I think he's done. I think he's done a great job. When when you consider it, it was basically like a one year rebuild, exactly, and, and they're right back in contention again. <laughs> we we talked about this. Core, it consists and, of Nelson Aguilar and and Kendrick Bourne and don't and be smirched, Jacoby Myers. Kendrick Bourne, <laughs> yeah, no, the wide receiver one. The last three. No, it's it's true. It, it's you know it, it's amazing how they've been John able Smith to. Smith like, has busted dollar yeah. for dollar. That was the best signing of the year. Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne, yeah. Yep. You look at what this team has done. We talked about this, I think it was last show with Josh Larkey, and we talked about the Patriots. And I mentioned the same thing. 
one year rebuild. It takes most franchises 10 years, if not, like look at the Lions. They've been rebuilding since day one and they've never made it. Right. Mm -hmm. And you have, they have franchises out there that just can't figure it out. Patriots had one bad season after Brady leaves and here they are back at the top of the AFC. Like they make this game look easy and it's really not. And, and, and here they are just, you know, playing chess and all these other teams are playing checkers year in and year out. I, as much as you people hate the Patriots, you can't, you can't be angry. You have to respect what they do on an annual basis. And I, I can full heartedly say that I, I respect how they operate and how they consistently are winning games. Now, let me ask you guys this. If we fast forward to the Super Bowl, do you think a Patriots Tampa Bay Super Bowl would be like one of the more exciting storyline Super Bowls in recent years? Yes. It's already decided. It's probably going to happen. It's NFL's rigged anyways. We know that. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> like I, I, I know there's fans out there like, you know, Green Bay playing excellent football, you know, Aaron Rodgers. Like I, we could see them, Arizona, the Rams. Dance. You know, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Cowboys, you know, is, is a public team, America's team. Uh, so there's a lot of fans out there, but I don't know. Like, I think for a lot of the casual fans, if their team can't make it, I got to think Brady versus Belichick, like r- rookie QB that replaced Brady. Handing the torch. Yeah, yeah, like in the Super Bowl, who's going to beat who? Like, I, I would think that would be fan- fascinating. Oh, I think so too. And I, I hated Brady on the Patriots. And then ever since he left, I'm like rooting for the guy. I love him now. And it's like, I just, he, I think he's it's become cooler, right? Yeah. He just like, he's, he's chill. He's drinking on boats now. He's, he's not. He's he's eating nightshades now. Like he's he's not doing he's doing everything he wasn't doing now. Right? He's like I like, well, like what was that drink back. that he had after the Super Bowl? Too many. Um, oh, he said oh, it was. Uh, um, was it avocado tequila? Yeah, avocado yeah, tequila. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, but I think it's got to be one of the most watched. You know, you, as you mentioned, the casual fans are going to tune in for for that type of game, and and Brady playing the best football of his career and an MVP hype season i mean <laughs> he'd be the oldest mvp winner if he wins it and the, like what, the what other exactly so like what other game like like if you could pick matchups that the nfl would want for ratings what other what other matchups can you think of that would like you know people would tune in for cowboys would be one of them just by the yeah. by the following Cowboys versus who? It would have to be hmm. Packers versus Browns. Let's go. <laughs> Packers, <laughs> Browns. Packers, Browns are done. Browns. Uh, no, I, I, I honestly, no, I, 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 I can't think. I mean, I, the only the other Browns team were that off-season I think, favorites for both Billy and myself. Yeah, gotcha. I, okay. I, shit, I shit the bed on that one. Uh, that one, that one sucks. Like you, you're. I remember we were sitting at your dad's house drinking wine. And I was telling him about my Browns bets, and I thought they were going to take the next step forward. And he looks at me and starts laughing. He says, "You poor soul, you, you, you've, you've never been a Browns fan. You'll learn never to, never to, <laughs> ne- never to put give your heart to the Browns. They'll just break them." <laughs> and so, and I remember I was like, like and then Billy was like, uh, "Okay," and then he immediately like pulls his bets off of the Oregon, <laughs> the Oregon line, and he said, "Just to be safe." You know, I, I can't. I can't think of any other games, Nelson. I think that that is the best storyline. The only yeah. other team that has the the most following would be Dallas that I can yeah. think of that even has a chance in the contention. But I mean, quite frankly, like that's, it, it is the best storyline. It's, it's, you know, coach first, you know, past, past, uh, you know, great quarterback head to head, new young rookie quarterback, kind of the same MO body type Brady, right? Kind of the under radar quarterback, not round six under the radar, but you know what I'm saying? And a clash of teams because the Tampa Bay offense is so good. And the new England defense has been what has kept them in games and, and was really a difference maker. If you remember last year, there were what a dozen players on defense who opted out because of the, the COVID protocols, they just decided not to play like Donta Hightower, you know? So taking 
the the defense a, a strength versus strength. Um, you know, it wouldn't be like a a shootout. I don't think. Well, you look back what they, they played once earlier in the year. What Tampa Bay won, right? We had yeah. it was it was a very close contest. Um, it was wet, it, wet and rainy. It was wet and rainy. But if you got to think, if there's anyone that knows Brady better than anybody, it's Bill Belichick. And what is going to you know how they can stop him? What what makes him tick? Right? Those are the kind of things that 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 give you the competitive edge in football. And and even though you know Tampa is this this powerhouse, when you have those little competitive edges, every one of them adds up in the end. Yeah. Before we finish here, Nelson, I want you to give me three players that you think will be undervalued in 2022 and three players that you think are going to be overvalued in 22 and take your time. Cause this rant question is randomly thrown at you. So oh, take all, damn. take, take all the time in the world you need. I'm going to drink some wine. I'll stall for you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look at players myself. Cause I know I'm going to get asked the same question afterwards. So overvalued and undervalued. Yes. Three and three. I don't, if you, if you only want to give me two, that's fine. Who's fine too. Yeah, no problem. <sighs> I'll start with the first. Um, yeah, go ahead. I think the first overvalued player, and I, I love what he's done for the season. I liked your take on him earlier, but I think Waddle is going to be priced out next year. I think he's going to be probably round two, round three turn. And for me, I think that's going to be too expensive. I would I would much rather take somebody that's going to have a very similar upside, maybe 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 a, a lower floor in rounds five or six, but I think Waddle would be my first overvalued player in 2022. Okay. Man, I, I, haven't, I haven't thought that far ahead. Um... I'm just going off the fly here. Eckler, I think, is going to be I'm not Eckler, sorry. Christian McCaffrey, I think, is going to be... This This might cause a lot of debate, too. So I think I think he's going to be uh, undervalued. I think that people are going to be scared off. I mm-hmm. think that they're going to look at and say, hey, we've been burned two years in a row by injury. At number one pick. I could see his trajectory in ADP being something similar of Saquon Barkley this year, that round one, round two turn, beginning of the year, kind of falling into the beginning of round two come 2022. And at that, at that price, I think when he, when he hits round two, I think that is going to be a huge value for drafters because you have potentially the number one running back in the league, if not the number one fantasy point score in the league at round two value. Yes, it comes with risk, but so did Mixon this year. So did Eckler. All those players came with injury concerns and injury risk. And I think that we have could have a similar type of trajectory for ADP with Christian McCaffrey that we had with Saquon Barkley. Okay. I'll give you an overvalued one. And this is just part of like my process when I, I, I set up like a fade list. Um, I don't know if you know about it, uh, but in the off season, I compile a list of players that I fade in drafts and I just, I don't, I don't draft them unless they become a, a value where I think they're they're going in the right spot. And then there are some guys that I just think that they're in a void. And one of my rules that I have is if a player is going in the top four rounds and was a free agent, a waiver wire pickup the year before, he's a fade. So you faded James Robinson. Yeah. So Elijah and Mitchell would be one. There you go. And that's who I was going to name. And, and here's the thing. And, and I, people ask me all, this all the time. I like Elijah Mitchell today, right now. Yeah. I want right. him out of, out of the concussion protocol, and I want him helping my fantasy teams win championships this At price. year. At price. This, this year for $700, whatever I paid for him. Okay? But you next year, I know, I did. <laughs> but for next year, if he's going to be a third or fourth round pick, let's say like they cut Mostert, right? And Sermon's just not a thing. You know, Shanahan doesn't doesn't care for him, right? And Mitchell is the guy going into the season. I think there's the possibility that drafters are going to overvalue him 
and he's going to get drafted in the top four rounds. And he's unfortunately going to be a guy that I'm just going to fade. Ooh, I, I, I'm going to say top three. I'd say he's going to go at that two, three turn probably. And I agree with you. I, I, at that point I'm priced out. It was like, I this year for me. Like mm-hmm. I owned very little, hardly any, Ayuk. I think I owned maybe two or three shares all season. And to me, it was, it was number one. I was a Debo truther. That's that, that, that was, that was enough. But it primarily was like looking at his rookie season, looking at his statistics, and then saying, hey, this all happened because Debo was out. We had Kittle out. We had every running back out. And then when you have a player like that being drafted at round four, round five, right? When you have other players coming back in the lineup, you're drafting hit him at nearly peak value. And I that's what, so I don't publish my fades list. I mean, I'll talk about it all the time on the podcast. But like Ayuk was like my my biggest fade. I hate Claypool was my biggest fade. I just these are the kind of players that I was looking yeah. at and just saying, you know, competition for targets. Haven't done. I mean, yes, Ayuk had a great rookie season, but outside that, a proven track record of success or dynamite ceiling, right? In order to be drafted inside that range, for me, it has to be proven or at least have to have that type of upside on a week to week basis. And I just didn't see it with other player. There's too much inconsistency watching Claypool's tape, right? Not coming back to the ball. And we're seeing all those immaturities come to fruition now here in 2021. You look at, look at it and just constantly making these errors. And they're, they're finally being brought to the surface. But these are things that he was doing last year as well. And they just were being overlooked because he was the wide receiver three. But now as the wide receiver two, people are paying more attention to it. But yeah, I, I agree. I like the Mitchell pick. And I love, I mean... Everyone knows I'm a Niner fan, and I, I, w- I will not be taking Elijah Mitchell in round two, three, or even maybe the beginning of four next year. I think an overvalued for me would be Jamar Chase. I love Chase. I think he's going to be overvalued. Ooh, uh, a tough one, Bradley. I know. I, I absolutely love Chase and love his talent. I love his upside, but he's shown the boom-bust games, and I think that those boom games are just so tantalizing uh, relative to what you know, people are going to want to buy him for. So I, I think he's going to be too expensive. And on the where flip you, side, where do you think his ADP settles? Uh, I mean, I was seeing things on Twitter, like beginning of the second round. And I, I don't even think that that, I, I don't think that's a good price on him. Um, yeah. I mean, give me instead at whatever value you think AJ Brown is going to be. I think AJ Brown is one of those players who's going to be undervalued next year because he's going to be injury prone. He has an injury history. No, the dude's one of the most dynamic players in the NFL and yeah, he's dealt with injuries, but when he steps onto the field, you know, plays over. So, and Ryan Tannehill is locked into Tennessee. This was a, a lost season in some respects with get, the the Titans lead the NFL in most players activated to the active roster by over 10 compared to the next highest. So for them, they've been dealing with injuries. And, and once AJ Brown comes back um, for next year, I think he'll be undervalued given that tag. Nelson, would you buy uh, Jamar Chase in drafts next year round two? No, no, I wouldn't. I, I think if he if that's where he's going, I think he's going to be overvalued, and I'm probably not going to be interested. Yeah, so this is, this is I'm curious on this one because he was what he was going in some scenarios in round four, on average round five, starts slipping to the tail end around six when we realized that he couldn't catch striped balls or non striped balls. <laughs> Had to practice and, catching tennis balls. <laughs> yeah. So what was that? That was the kid from Little Giants. Uh, Remember that movie where they couldn't catch anything and they put all the stick them on his hands. It's like, it's like the eighties, nineties movie. I can't remember the, the name of it, but uh, that's what it reminded me of. But it, uh, yeah, I think round two for me, I, man, it's, tough. I was able to get him in round 10 of my home league this year. You're drafting with donkeys. That's what that is. <laughs> like, <there's, Yep>. he's, <laughs> he was going around like four or five. Maybe six and late in, in in FFPC drafts, and I mean yeah. it was the height of Jamar Chase panic. To be fair, but still, you don't fade him that far. No, that's crazy. I think another I, overvalued guy is going to be, um, even though he's having a down year. It just it's the name, and 
people always take him in the first couple of rounds is Travis Kelsey. I was I, hoping I, you would say DeAndre Hopkins because Hopkins, that's who I would. I, Hop, Hopkins is you know he's showing signs of of possibly breaking down here. You, you know he's dealing with some injuries the last couple of years, but Kelsey's the other guy that I, I mean if you look at it. If you had to guess, I'm sure you guys are pretty sharp, so you guys probably know how old Kelsey is. But I think if you asked most people, they would be shocked. He's like 31, isn't he? 32. Yeah, Yeah. I knew he was old. He's going to be 33 this year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. People would be shocked by that. And and I just think that he's starting to show his age, that he's falling off a little bit. And he's one of those guys that I just – I don't see – I don't get the fascination. Like I wasn't on him last year and he had a monster season, but I wasn't on him again this year. Like I'd rather be a year early than a year late on, on yep. some of these players. I always say never chase fantasy points, right? You're always wanting to try to catch the next value. Like you're trying to yeah. catch those Debo's you're trying to catch like, and, and it may, it wasn't necessarily hit, but the Marvin Jones is going in around 15 in FFPC drafts, right? Like you're wanting to catch those late round wide receivers, late round running backs, they're going to severely outperform ADP. That's how you win championships, and that's how you win games. Well, Nelson, thanks for joining us. Why don't you tell everybody where to find you, where, where to find your work, plug all your details. At, at FTN Fantasy, that, that's where I'm at. I got the uh, coaching package uh, for next year, but not, not just myself, but we have like an all-star crew there uh, when it comes to – DFS, uh, sports betting, uh, season long, you know, you name it. Uh, we've got some superstars, you know, a lot of our subscribers are winning money, uh, this year. So, you know, that that's, I think we're, we're an up and coming, uh, fantasy company, if, if not already there, but we have a lot of guys that work hard at it. Well, thanks for joining us. Um, we will be back Friday with um, uh, our rankings show. And we're going to have uh, Pat Fitzmaurice from Fantasy Pros join us. And we're going to be doing our uh, top fifth, or top 10 rankings per position. Um, so it'll be uh, as we head into our, our uh, final weeks here for our playoffs and for any last minute for if you're playing DFS. It's a huge help as well, especially when you have someone like Bradley over here finishing in the top two. If you would have followed, you probably would have got you a ton of money with his hits. So, Brevin um, Jordan going to be top six this week. <laughs> are, you, are you calling it? Final, I haven't calling finalized it. my rankings yet. <laughs> I'm calling it. it. Nelson yeah, called I it. it. I love yeah. it. Oh, man. I, I can't get on board with Brevin Jordan. I love I'm going to have to take a look at it. I, when you look at my tight end rankings, I can't the, speak. I can't, I can't say anything against it. I, the, I look at my the, tight end rankings, the, and my tight end rankings are. There, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my tight end rankings. <laughs> oh, you, oh, you want the all aboard for Brevin Jordan? All yeah, all aboard. aboard. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nelson knows he's joined the train. All right, fantastic. <laughs> all right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you all back here on Friday. Everybody, Have a good night. Everybody, clap to this.